It's 4 o'clock and time for the Calvary Live Show, taking your calls and questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary in Aurora, taking your calls and your questions. Calvary Live originates on Grace FM. Grace FM right now covers from Cheyenne, Wyoming, south to the border of Pueblo here in Colorado. We're also carried on the Hope FM network, Calvary Live, and that includes you guys in Maryland, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and of course, Thousands have downloaded the Grace FM app, so many people are listening on the app and online, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the program. This is where you call in or text me, and we answer your questions, open the word together. We're not a, we're not a show where we're arguing, we're not going to argue, and we're not going to uh, you know, fight over things, we're not going di- to dig into deep secondary matters where... They're very, very divisive, um, but we will open the Bible together. Uh, we'll pray together. We want to encourage you uh, using the Word of God. We want to encourage you in your walk with Him. We want to encourage you as you seek to live your life uh, pleasing Jesus Christ. We want to pray for you. For example, one of the, one of the things we get to do is we get to minister to those uh, that are incarcerated. And I got a request today to... Uh, say hello and give a shout out to Jordan and everybody that's listening in the Larimer County Detention Center in Fort Collins. Uh, we know that you listen to the station and the show regularly. And, you know, I'm sorry that you're in a place of incarceration uh, as you are having to deal with the consequences of decisions uh, that are made. But it's also a time to get alone with the Lord. <clears throat> it's a time to seek him. Uh, it's a time to grow in his grace so that when you do get out uh, and you navigate back into society, the Lord's going to use you for his kingdom and for his glory. So here's a shout out to everybody listening, men and women, uh, at the Larimer County Detention Center. And they also ask that we pray for you. So why don't we just start the show with a prayer for those uh, incarcerated right now, especially those that are listening to the program. So God, we We pray for those that are in jail right now. Uh, We know that there are people in jail that deserve it, and we also know there are people in jail that are falsely accused. And we're unable, God, to sort through all of the accusations and things uh, that are related to them. But the end result is the same. They're incarcerated, and they are limited in their ability in society at this time. So God, use this time of incarceration. Use this time, uh, whether they're in uh, prison or in jail, Uh, or in a halfway house, whatever it might be, God, get their attention, please. Um, I'm just even reminded of the years, um, years ago, being in jail myself, Lord, uh, having to pay the price for really bad decisions. And you were so gracious to me and and so merciful uh, that it could have been so much worse. And you intervene in my life, and I pray for that intervention in lives right now that are listening in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, here's the phone number, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. This is the line to use to be on the program. 
And if you want to text me, I see texts are coming in faster than calls today. You can text me. We have a dedicated text line. It's only for texting. It's 720-336-0897. The number works around the country. Uh, The number works. Both those numbers work around the country. They're dedicated to this show. Uh, They're isolated to this show. So call me. You're on there right now, 303-690-3000. Or text me, 720-336-0897. While we wait for a call to come in, I want to read today's edition of Besides Still Waters. It is a devotional by Charles Spurgeon. Uh, The subtitle is Words of Comfort for the Soul. And comfort and encouragement and topics of depression, discouragement, um, those types of things have become a big part of my study life, uh, both personally and for the sake of the body. This book was on my computer in my in my Bible software for no who knows how long. It was published in 1999, and directly after my son Eddie went home to be with the Lord, uh, I was searching out on my computer, uh, on my iPad, any resources on grief, and this popped up. Very glad that it did. Uh, there is a link on my website, edtaylor.org. If you're looking to purchase this book, we have them in our bookstore. If you're local here in Aurora, Colorado, uh, we stock these in our bookstore, but For the sake of you that aren't near our bookstore, you can get it on Amazon, and the link is available on my website, edtaylor.org, edtaylor.org. And so we're going to read today's edition. Uh, He is in Psalm 23, verse 3, uh, which says, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And the title of today's Devo is He Leads Me. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Calvary Live, the phone lines are not lighting up so quickly today, so we'll wait for you to call 303-690-3000. Give me a call. Here's the Devo, and I quote, We wish for many things that we do not really need, and there's no promise that we'll have all we wish for. God has not promised anything more than what we need, but he will give us that. Lift up your head. Do not be afraid. God is with you. He will turn darkness into light and bitter into sweet. All the way he has led you, and all the way he will lead you, let this be your constant joy. He is your shepherd. You you will not lack what is absolutely necessary. Whatever you really require, you will be given it by your tender father's lavish hand. Believer, this is your estate, your inheritance, your annual income, your yearly living. He is your shepherd, and you shall not want. What is your income? It varies, you say. Oh, but your spiritual income is always the same, for the Lord is your shepherd, and you shall not want. It is my income, and it is your income. It is the income of the poorest pauper who has an interest in God's grace. It is the income of the believing orphan who has no other friend. It is the orphan's fortune, for the Lord is his shepherd, and he shall not want. It is the widow's inheritance, for the Lord is her shepherd, and she shall not want. It is the believer's share, the believer's portion, and the believer's blessing. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. 303-690-3000. That was today's entry in Beside Still Waters by Charles Spurgeon, a daily devotional that I read just about every day. Sometimes I skip a day, not on purpose, but 
almost every day now for the last four years. All right, we're going to move right on to line number one is a question from Denver. Welcome to the program. What's your name? You're on the air. Hi. Um, actually, I'd rather not. I'd rather not give my name. Thank okay. You. No problem. Um, no so problem. I have a I question. I find it very cool that you're going through depression. Actually, I have been recently diagnosed uh, with clinical load grade, and sometimes with episodes of major depression. And this is something that's been going on throughout um, my entire life, and I never knew until now. So I'm having, like, these major aha moments in my life, and unfortunately, it feels like it's coming at a very interesting time when I'm about to be married, actually. (laughs) And um, my fiancé doesn't necessarily bode well with this information, as a matter of fact, um, it's come up between us that it's it's because of the lack of faith on my part, um, and and that I just don't have enough faith in order for this to go away, um, and that the treatment that I am seeking is worldly, which is counsel, like biblical counseling, and um, I have not, I don't want to go on any type of um, medications from the doctor. I'd rather try other things like homeopathic things like um, uh, 5-HTP and, uh, oh gosh, uh, I forgot, uh, tyrosine. There should be a really good stack for like an antidepressant as well. It should help with mood regulation. But um, anyway, so um, I, I don't know how to... I don't know, that feels very condemning to hear that I don't have faith. Um, yeah, it's, it sounds like uh, you and your fiancé are coming from two different theological perspectives. And totally. From the, from the way that you describe it, I would disagree with your fiancé for a variety of reasons, both biblical and personal. Uh, and I, I would say, before I answer the bulk of your question, are you and your fiancé in any kind of premarital counseling? Yes, we are. Good. Are you guys talking about this with the pastor? Um, this is something brand new, like really, okay, really new. So um, not yet. Obviously, it, it's something that needs to come out. But um, I was just wondering, what can I do in the meantime? Like, there, we, we had a huge fight <laughs> about yes. it the other night. And um, it's just like, how do we deal in the meantime before that appointment comes, (laughs) because it's huge. It it is huge, and one of the reasons we, before we are involved in any marriage in in our congregation, we we require premarital counseling. We require a time of praying and sitting down and talking together, because these things have to come out before the covenant of marriage is both given and consummated, because after you make the commitment, commitment that's a lifetime commitment. And these things need to come out before a lifetime commitment is made, especially something so significant. Um, you know, there's two types of, there's generally two types of depression. There's circumstantial and situational depression, and there's physiological and, and physical sources of depression or discouragement. We could call it whatever we want. We don't need to be afraid of different words. We can call it whatever we want. 
we can use terms that are diagnosable, or we could just use the biblical terms. You know, why are you so downcast, my soul? David wrote in the Psalms. Uh, it, he obviously went through significant turmoil. I'm, I'm actually putting together a Bible study right now for a conference I'm teaching at next week about discouragement and the seasons of discouragement that we all go through, and the Bible uses a variety of words to describe it. So let me just say at the outset that the fact that you're going through it, the fact that you're um, sad and discouraged and have deeper, darker times at some times other than, at th- other than other times, it is not necessarily a direct result of your lack of faith uh, from a general perspective. Like, it, I have to be careful because the answer is really like a yes and a no because we can make things worse in our lives. We can become very self-focused. We can become very self-centered. We can be. Uh, we can choose to not believe the truth of God's word. Uh, I don't think that's what your fiance is referring to, but I want to share that with you because, like, like we can make things worse ourselves. Um, we we can feed that difficulty in our lives, and we can. But but I don't think you're a substandard believer because you're wrestling with darkness. I don't. You know, we just read from Charles Spurgeon right now. Charles Spurgeon is recorded as, there There are a few books um, that record his life of the deep bouts of depression and discouragement that this brother went through, and he's known of one, as one of the greatest Bible teachers and pastors of all time. And the reality of your question and the things going on in your life are twofold. One is, you guys really need to wrestle with this. If If your fiancé simply says, man, this is a matter of faith and you don't have any faith, then he truly isn't uh, in a place of understanding where you're coming from and what you're going through. Neither is that a true understanding of the scriptures uh, from what you've shared with me. And secondly, um, going down the path of seeking out homeopathic remedies and seeking out things to build your faith and develop develop your relationship with the Lord so that when you do go through these seasons, you can weather them. You know, I like to talk to, I like to speak of them as storms so you could just weather the storm uh, until you get out of it or till the edge is cut off. Uh, but the most of most important, you know, of most importance in this is to get this out in the presence of a pastor and, and, and let's talk it through because if this is going to be something that you carry into the rest of your life and, and this is the man that God has chosen him, he, he needs to learn how to, how to minister to you and serve you in your difficult times. Definitely. So can I ask you a question? Yes. Have you noticed both the physiological part of your depression or discouragement, and have you also noticed what I described as we can make things worse? Have you seen that in your life yet? Yes. Luckily, um, like I, I never knew it was depression. I guess I was in denial for so long all my life um, that now looking back, I can recognize, oh, that's what it was, and yeah, of course, you know, like, that didn't help, or this did help, or it's making sense to me, because right now, at this point in my life, I should be nothing but happy, and I am, but at points, I get really sad, because I can't be happy when I should be, like, there's, I should totally be joyful right now, and like, I just can't, and I always wrestled with, like, the idea of having uh, joy and sorrow. Like, I always wanted to find it, and I always made it a point to, like, study on that, because I'm like, at that time, I didn't even know it was um, depression. But I'm just like, what is wrong with me? Like, 
I don't get it. So yeah, I've I've noticed that there's a difference. That um, and yeah, I want to I'm recommend sorry. to you a little a little pamphlet that um, a sister wrote. She her name is Margaret Ashmore, and she served alongside of Elizabeth Elliot for many years. And we recently had her out to do a women's event, and we was I was reminded of this little pamphlet. Uh, it's called Depression. The sun always rises. And it is written from a, a solid biblical worldview. It's written from a perspective of, of what the Bible has to say about discouragement and the, the idea that sometimes it's physiological and sometimes it's psychotic. You know, sometimes it's mental, just on our thinking. That's, there's, we don't need to be afraid of that word. And sometimes it's physiological. And I was speaking with, with someone yesterday uh, in my office about the fact that we were all born with broken brains, all of us. Uh, the difference really is how broken is our brain. And, and we can, you know, if, if what your boyfriend or your fiancé means is we can hope in the Lord and we can pray for God to touch our minds and we can pray for his strength, I would agree with that. Of course, yes, we can pray for God to touch our minds and, and heal that part or, uh, Lord, lift me out of my pattern, this circular pattern of discouragement uh, or memories or whatever it might be. You know, there is much to be said in, in relationship to our, to our connection to God and his faithfulness. But we all were born with broken brains. And, you know, we're all born with bodies that are touched and tainted by sin. And some circumstances just are triggers for intense sorrow. Uh, grief is one of them. Um, you know, being separated from your children or your grandchildren, that's another one. Um, difficulty in life is another one. Losing a job, um, divorce. I mean, geez, life can be really, really hard, but the Lord is very faithful. Thank you for that. I'll, I'll definitely look that up. Depression, I'm sorry, it's depression in Eraser. Margaret Ashmore. <laughs> Yeah, if you email okay. me or text me, I'll send you a link, and you can get it off of Amazon. Or I know we have them in stock in our bookstore too. All right. Well, thank you. I will do that. Margaret Seymour. <laughs> let me let me pray for you. Okay. Uh, Lord God, we pray for our sister and uh, the and anyone listening in that is in a similar state. Uh, that our minds, you know, are just like man, Lord, we we are hopeless. Uh, really helpless, I should say, without you, and and even hopeless to some degree, Lord, when we aren't. I'm just thinking of that scripture where we're we need to learn to delight ourselves in you, and to take our cares and concerns to you. Uh, your word says that if we're weary and tired and heavy laden, that we can come to you for rest, and you will give us not only physical rest but rest for our souls. So I pray for my sister, and she's got this complication as well in this fiancé relationship, which I know can be even a bigger barrier to, or a burden to carry. So I pray for wisdom for the pastors involved in the premarital. Uh, this argument is as bad as it is, is good in order for this topic to be brought up before the marriage so we could talk through it and talk through our definitions of worldly and faithless. Because certainly, God, if we don't agree on those definitions, we will find ourselves arguing and battling all the time. So be with my sister, Lord. Encourage her, and even this little pamphlet, let it be a tool and a source of encouragement, uh, a biblical resource 
as she walks through these dark times. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. You're welcome. Stay in touch, okay? All right. All right, bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. We're going to move right on to line number two is Dan uh, in Denver, Colorado. Dan, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. Hey, what's up? Can, can you hear me okay? I can, yes. Can you hear me? Oh, yes, I can. Um, okay. So, um, speaking towards praise teams, um, one of the members on the praise team openly smokes weed, tells everybody it's okay, you know, I, I, I need it as a medical condition, and he tells me, you know, that the other member on the praise team is smoking and getting drunk, and, and uh, actually what caught, my, caught me off guard is that they're growing mushrooms and selling them, and I thought, that's okay. the sin, you know, and, and so, Pastor, my, I was advised to just keep my mouth shut and let the Lord deal with it. It's none of my business. Mind your own business. So, that being said, that I was just wondering what you think of the situation like that, if, if it was you in, the, in that situation. Well, if it was our fellowship, we wouldn't approve of that kind of behavior. Uh, we wouldn't approve of being under the influence or even marketing uh, hallucinogenic drugs. Um, we wouldn't. I wouldn't want to to have them serving our congregation. I wouldn't want them high when we might have to do a hospital visit or as an example to our children in our school. We have a school and children's ministry. I, I would so so here's how I would handle that if that knowledge was would come to me or any of the pastors. Uh, we would talk to them uh, and we would use Matthew 18 as a guide to talk to them uh, about this situation. Uh, Jesus gave us gave us insight on how to handle things and and to how to have the right heart in handling difficulties like this, and it's not to just let it go and sweep it under the rug. This is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter eighteen verse fifteen: If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the fault. If the other person listens and confesses, you've won that person back. And so the first step is um, for you to go to them privately and share that you don't agree. Be ready to share with them what, the, what you believe the Bible says on this matter. Um, I think one example would be not to be drunk with wine. Um, even though that speaks of alcohol, it just means to be under the influence of a substance. You know, have your ducks in a row in terms of your biblical, your biblical conclusion on the matter. And, and then if they, it says if, if they don't listen to you, then take two or three others with you as a witness to this. And if they don't listen to them, then you need to involve the church leadership. Uh, so if you haven't already talked to them privately, you should talk to them privately and share your heart with them. Uh, you know, if it goes all the way to the church leadership and the church leadership says, hey, it's no problem, then it sounds like God is showing you that another church and another set of church leadership is where you need to go uh, because you certainly don't agree with what you're seeing and you have your biblical reasons. It's not just your opinion. You have biblical reasons why uh, you, you don't agree with that, and I have a special—I uh, have a special part in my life because of my background and what this stuff does, and all the kids that we're dealing with that are going through this. And like, even if somebody can make a biblical argument, well, I can smoke weed and I can get—I can drink whenever I want. Man, I'm—I'm not going to argue with them. I, I'm not into arguing. I just know that I need to live in a way that's going to encourage people toward holy living. And and if even if we dis disagree on what that looks like. Uh, I, I'm I'm not going to want that in the people serving in the leadership in our church. I want them to I want them to consider the weaker brother. I want them to consider people struggling. I want them to consider uh, that 
these kids are drinking at an early age and they're like, it's, it's insane. And so that's how I would take care of it. I would not keep quiet. I would go to them privately, talk to them about it. And I'd follow Matthew 18 through uh, 15, Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 18. Yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's a, I, I don't like that. I wish I would have never found out about it. I don't know why the guy had to tell me about it. And it was like, you know, I feel like, oh, boy, that's a, just a lot. That's a lot of information, you know. That's kind of overwhelming me. It's unfortunate. And that's not what you really need from your leaders. Like, to me, none of us are perfect. So it's not like we're no. all going to be perfect and sinless on the stage. And there, there isn't one of us. We all have failure in our life. The Bible says that we all stumble with our tongues. I mean, we can go on and on about the inadequacies of our lives and the lack of perfection, but there are some things in our lives that when we have a choice, when, when we're given the choice, we can choose holiness and righteousness, uh, or we can choose sin, or we can choose to be on the edge of sin and say, well, you know, it's legal. And, and I mean, we can, but the reality is, is that when we come to the conclusion on these matters, do we agree? Because if we don't agree, the Bible says, how can two walk together unless they're agreed? And it sound, I know you wish you wouldn't have known, but the, but the Lord is telling you that you needed to know this. That's why he revealed it to you, because there are things going on behind the scenes in the leadership of your church that, that isn't necessarily, the way you described it, isn't necessarily leading you in righteousness and holiness. And that's not what you need in your life right now, bro. You know that. That's why yeah, God revealed it to you. Yeah. Yeah, well, I just thank you so much. I just, you know, I just really, I, I didn't think hiding it under the carpet was a good idea and just minding my own business. So now, now, now I'm just going to have to, like, I, I don't know. I'm going to just have to be the guy, you know. I'm going to be the guy. I, I, you know, I'm going to have to call it out. I, I just, I didn't, you know, I wish the other guy would call it out. I'm going to talk to him and say, you call it out, I'll stand by you. You know, you're the one who brought it up, you know, can you call this out, you know, seeing how he smokes weed, he says, he says he needs a medical condition, and, you know, the, the pastor knows he smokes weed, it's okay, but that's it, you know, it's like, that's the end of the story, and I'm kind of skeptical on that, too, but it's like, if that's okay, at some point in time, you know, what's next, you know, and I, I agree, so I it's, it's really, you never it's, know it's such what a, level. You know, there, yeah. the, the whole topic, there's been a whole new topic because of Colorado and marijuana being legalized, that level of medical marijuana that that on, a, on occasion mer- medical marijuana has saved a child's life because of seizure disorder. And there, there are a lot of variants. You know, I would say the same thing if somebody taking opiates and they're high on, on prescribed opiates. We would just ask them not to serve uh, because you never know. We would wait for them to to get through their treatment or I don't want to stand in judgment as God because I'm not God in relationship to someone's pain or someone's uh, where they are in their walk and, and, and how they're using medications. But I do want to warn. I do want to give the biblical mandate. I do want, you know, when you start, you, we're not talking necessarily about medical marijuana right now because you got growing yeah. mushrooms and selling them and it's a much deeper yeah, thing. Yeah, that's crazy. It's easy. But let me say this, because we're going to be uh, already at our first break. When you, okay. when you took my advice and you said, I think I'm going to ask the other guy to do it, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible, okay. the Bible says you're supposed to do I'm it. So don't, don't be afraid. I just, just it, go I don't as a want, loving brother. Like, I'm, I'm way, I feel like I'm out of my league here. You know? It's like, 
Just be yourself. You just did it on the radio. Leader, you know? <laughs> you just did it on the radio, bro. You did a perfect job. Do exactly what you did on the radio and be ready, just in love, to say, bro, this is stumbling me. I don't think it's right. Uh, and and here's what the Bible says. And just see what he says. Let the Holy Spirit do a work in his life. Okay. Right, bro, we got to go. We're at the halfway thanks. mark of the show. God bless you, man. Hey, thanks Bye. for tuning in today. This is Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. Taking your calls and your questions, 303-690-3000. We have an open line. Text me. Text me. I know we don't always get to all the texts, but sometimes we do. 720-336-0897. You're listening to Calvary Live on Grace FM and the Hope FM Networks. So grateful to be a part of your life. We'll be right back in just a couple minutes. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Call us with your questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus right now at 303-690-3000. Welcome back to today's edition of Calvary Live. I got a text during the break, probably from a law enforcement officer, that says, regarding the selling of mushrooms, contact law enforcement. So that must be illegal. Uh, And he cites Romans 13, or she cites. So thanks for that text. I didn't even think of that perspective. Um, I mean, that's something I never got into, so I'm not very knowledgeable in that area. Uh, But thank you for the text. 303-690-3000 is the number. Text me at 720-336-0897. Here's a text. We're looking for a new church home and love Calvary Chapel teaching. We have teens and need a fellowship with a great youth group in northern Colorado. Okay, uh, there's a list on our website of the Colorado Calvaries that we recommend. If you go to our website, calvaryaurora.org, and look at the recommended fellowship, there's a there's a menu on the left-hand side you can drop down. There is a recommended church or recommended fellowship. You can look at the various Calvaries in the city and choose one from the list. I'm going to text you back after the show on this too, uh, but there are quite a few Calvaries up north that can serve you and love you. We just don't know where you are up north. 303-690-3000 is the number. And let's go right back to the phone lines as it looks like December from Centennial, Colorado has been waiting. December, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? You're on, you're on the uh, air. Okay, <laughs> I'm doing pretty good today, thanks. Okay, good. Um, I'm sorry? I said, okay, good. I'm glad you're doing well. <laughs> I had a question. Um, so I am a married to an unbeliever, and okay. um, I have been looking into God's Word of my situation and um, that I'm in and how I should be um, following the Lord in the situation I'm in. So I came across First Peter chapter 3, and also the First Corinthians chapter 7, Instructions on Marriage. And I'm just trying to see how that directly applies to my situation. Um, and at, my other question is, me being married to unbeliever, am I constantly living in sin? Or I, I just, I'm just trying to get some advice or wisdom. 
the answer to the second question is, is, is easier than the first, and that is no, you're not living in sin because you're married to an unbeliever. God honors the covenant of marriage. He honors the covenant of marriage between two unbelievers uh, and through a believer and an unbeliever, and he warns against marrying an unbeliever when you're not married. Like So ahead of time, if you guys listening in that are not married, Marrying an unbeliever is forbidden by the Bible, but if you are, sometimes sometimes people marry an unbeliever anyway, or sometimes, like my wife and I, we were both married as unbelievers, and I got saved first. Uh, unequally yoked type of, the Bible calls out an unequally yoked relationship happens, and the answer is no, you're not living in repetitive sin because of the because of your marriage. Now, if if you married him knowing he was an unbeliever, that was that that was not a wise choice, and you're suffering the consequences of that right now, and I'm sure you've cried out to the Lord. Maybe that's not your story, but other people listening, you're crying out to the Lord asking for forgiveness. He does forgive, and he does honor the marriage covenant, but it's hard, and it's difficult that if we took the time, you could tell us just how hard it is uh, in your marriage. Now, to the first part of your question, uh, everything in the Bible related to husband and wife applies to you, regardless of the condition of your marriage. When the Bible mm-hmm. teaches you how to be a wife and submitting to your husband, uh, it's the same, you, you have the same mandate as, as if you were married to a believing. And the key is you're submitting to your husband as unto the Lord. And even if he was a believer, if he told you to do something un, you know, unethical or illegal, you're not, you're not obliged to submit to that. If your husband tells you, believer or unbeliever, to sin, you have to submit as unto the Lord. Uh, and it's much harder, you know, in relationship to your husband, not having the same relationship with God that you do, but you're not in, in, under any obligation to submit when there's a sinful issue, or which is going to make life much harder for you, isn't it? Because sometimes the counsel or the direction of your husband will not be toward the Lord, and it's going to be very mm-hmm. hard. Mm-hmm. But everything in the Bible, when it comes to the, a wife, applies to you. Uh, it does. You don't have. Um, you don't have. As a matter of fact, you're in a you're in a unique place, married to an unbeliever, um, because the Bible says that God uses you as a sanctifying tool in that home. And what that means is is that you bring the presence of the Lord, because He lives in you, into your home. And you bring the presence of the Lord into your husband's life. You bring a presence of the Lord into your family. Whereas if you guys were both unbelievers, you would never have that. So you have, you have a place mm-hmm. where God uses you to bless your husband uh, in places where he would never, never otherwise experience the love of God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thanks. It takes a lot off of my chest. I've been um, just battling whether or not uh, if I was like, living in sin or not, and what does or doesn't apply to me because he's not a believer. So that clarifies a lot for me. Um, and I just wanted to ask if you can um, go ahead and pray for him, for his salvation, um, and for uh, me to continue to live full heartedly for Christ. Okay. So that God can change him and, you know, not me. Because <laughs> um, I worry okay. about his salvation a lot. Yes. 
and as you should, because you love him very much, and and he's, yes. he is someone that you have connected with, and that that's the thing about even marriage. You know, there's there's some things you guys really connect on and enjoy, and 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 have a great time together in your marriage. But there's other things that you simply can't share right now, because his mm-hmm. connection to God is broken, and. And of course, we, we want to share as much as we can. We want our husband to go, we want our spouse to go to heaven. Uh, we want them to enjoy the love of God. Uh, we want them to, mm-hmm. we want to, to share in, in, in the things of God together. And his salvation is, is of utmost importance for sure. Um, mm-hmm. let, before I pray for you, let me give you a recommendation of a book. Mm-hmm. It's called Surviving a Spiritual Mismatch in Marriage. Hmm. Surviving okay. a Spiritual Mismatch. It's by Lee and his wife, uh, Leslie Strobel. And he was an unbeliever uh, for many years. He was a, he's, the one, he's the man that wrote The Case for Christ, and God is using him in incredible ways now. But there, I haven't read the book, but there's a, an incredible story of Lee. It says someone came between Lee and Leslie Strobel, threatening to shipwreck their marriage. It wasn't an old flame. It was Jesus Christ, and Leslie's decision to become a follower of Jesus brought heated opposition from her skeptical husband. Mm-hmm. And it'll give you some tools from someone that's walked down the path with you before you on how to love your husband. Yeah, that would, that would be awesome. I'm going to go ahead and definitely um, look into that. All right, well, let's pray. Father, I pray for December, pray for her home, and... And more than anything, God, we bring her husband before your throne room today and ask for his salvation. Uh, we pray, God, that in this mo- in in this occasionally difficult time, uh, where we're not where they're not able to share on spiritual things, uh, that you would strengthen her, uh, you would help her, and encourage her, Lord, giving her the wisdom she needs to be the wife you want her to be, no matter the condition of her marriage. Because I know people are listening in right now, and their husbands or their wives confess to be believers, but they're living like unbelievers and their marriage is hard. And we pray for that as well. We pray for those listening in. I have people flowing through my mind right now in our own congregation that I know it's very hard for them in their spiritual, uh, spiritually mismatched marriage. So God, we pray and lift up um, these wonderful men and women, including December, that you would strengthen them while they wait and pray. And we pray for their spouses that they would finally come to the place where they can surrender their life to the God who loves them and gave himself for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. All right, you're welcome. <laughs> Bye-bye. 303 uh, I'm going to pray for Lauren right now. She texted me and said, please pray that I find a godly man. And God, I know that there are many uh, ladies listening in right now that are praying for that godly man, and I pray for them. Lord, that you would reveal the man that you have ordained for Lauren and for many other young people or not so young people, God. And and I was thinking the other day, where are all the godly men, Lord? That you would rise up an army of men that care more about you than they do video games, than they do drugs, than they do their job, than they do messing around and just wasting their lives, that they would raise up uh, they would rise up and live godly, committed, dedicated lives to you, Jesus. Not to, a, not to a church or not to a pastor or somebody's teachings, but to you, Lord. Godly men. And I pray for everyone waiting for that godly man in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. We're going to move right on to line number two, it looks like. Uh, we have Linda that's been waiting. Or Abner. I don't know which one. Which one do you give me? Who is this? Hello. Who is this? Abner, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, uh, Pastor Ed. Happy Friday Eve. I, my uh, question was about pre-existence. I, uh, I'm almost back at my warehouse, but if I could leave you with that question, I'll be listening in from my uh, headset. Pre-existence of who? Of people before we were born, supposedly. Um, it's a new idea I heard. I just wanted clarification on that. Okay, great. Uh, it does. The Bible doesn't teach that we pre-existed. That's the simple cool. answer. And I'll give you a little explanation after I hang up, but... It, it isn't a biblical doctrine. Okay, good to know. All right, Pastor Ed, you guys have a good weekend. I'll be listening in. Okay, let me give you a, a summary. Um, like I said, the Bible doesn't teach that we preexisted. Uh, it is a man-made idea. It's very popular in the, the Mormon uh, system of teaching, uh, the cultish Mormon system of teaching. There's no basis in the Bible. Every human being is a unique creation of God. According to Genesis 2 and Zechariah 12, Jeremiah 1, uh, human soul begins at conception, Psalm 139, Isaiah 44, and will continue forever because we were created as eternal beings. Um, in, in an article I read, uh, the concept of a preexistence cannot be followed to its logical conclusion because preexistence means one of three things. Number one, the soul has already exist, always existed. Number two, the soul was created at a previous time and waited until it could have a body, and three, the soul inhabited another body in the past and transmigrated to its uh, current body. And none of those, you know, there's a whole article, you can go to gotquestions.org, there's a whole article on this, but in its basic sense, the Bible does not teach. Simplest answer, it's not a biblical teaching. 303-690-3000. Now I think uh, we have Linda. Linda's calling from Greeley, Colorado. Linda, welcome to the program. Thank you. You're um, welcome. I Thanks have for a waiting. question. Okay. okay. Uh, well, this is a situation with my son and his ex-mother-in-law. Okay. Uh, my son has been saved. He's been baptized. He was uh, a leader of the men's ministry in his church. Okay. Well, him and his wife divorced about three years ago because of... I don't want to put no blaming games, but the mother would always okay, interfere. Not, let's not do it. His let's, mother let's go right to the yeah. Let's go right to the question. Let's not okay. Give all well, every time stuff. she sees my son, she says, "I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ." Is that a tool she can use against him? And why does no. she do that? I don't know why she does it. It's not very kind uh, for her to do that. She might be hurting, or she might be sinfully responding to the pain that her daughter experienced in the marriage, or. Responding to the divorce, she might just be a very fleshly woman that doesn't walk in the Spirit and is mean-spirited and uh, is saying bad things every time uh, she sees him. Uh, are there children involved, grandchildren? Yes, there's three of them, and yes. uh, she seems to throw them under the bus, too. I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, and it's hurtful to the kids, and the kids come and talk to me about it, and then I don't know how to explain it to them or what to say to them anymore. Well, it's a really unfortunate thing. I think that when in-laws get involved and they begin to be the voice that the other, that the spouse or the ex-spouse listens to, uh, it can be a painful road because they really have no skin in the game except that they want to protect their child 
or they want to stand for their child, not really thinking what the Bible teaches. Uh, the Bible teaches for us to resolve our differences and to meet in the middle and to be gracious and loving, uh, not to yes. respond in ways that are not gracious and loving. And unfortunately, and I do tell my people, son, I do tell my son, just pray for her, and you know, she's also a Christian, just like you, and and he's he's pretty hurt about it. He says, "Well, mom, why does she do that?" I, I don't know. And he even he has a girlfriend now, and. She ha- she comes up to the girlfriend and tells the girlfriend, um, "Have you been saved?" And she says, "Yeah." And it's it's just an ongoing thing, and it's I just wanted to see if I can give my son a Bible verse or something. Well, there's a lot to be said about your son. He's on a. This is one of the the consequences of divorce for sure. Um, you know, not everyone experiences those kind of consequences of divorce. Sometimes it's the death of a spouse or. Sometimes it's the divorce isn't, they had nothing to do with it. They couldn't get out of it. Uh, but for your son, he really needs to cultivate his personal walk with the Lord uh, and, and stay close to Jesus Christ during this time of pain and hurt and, and do whatever he can to build the bridge using uh, his submitted life uh, of mm-hmm. love and, and agape, waiting for God to do a work in her life. And if, you know, if, if the only thing she says when they see each other is, I rebuke you, and then name of, of Jesus is just don't respond. Uh, let it roll right. off back and don't And it, respond. it got to the don't point where he got a restraining order against her, so... And I tell yeah, him, I, mean, I don't know what to do. Just pray. Okay, well, let's do that. Let's do that. God, I pray for this situation. It's very difficult and broken. And, uh, and Lord, we, we, are, we are just, um, you know, just, real, just... It's hard. It's hard to live in a broken... Uh, life, a, a life touched and tainted by sin and sinful behaviors, and uh, sometimes, God, we're suffering the consequences of, of someone else's sinful behavior. Sometimes it's our own. Sometimes it's a combination of both, Lord, and we pray for your Holy Spirit to work in a way that would bring about repentance and humility uh, and a brokenness, because your Word says you're attracted to brokenness. Your Word says that you come near those that are broken and have a contrite heart, and so that's our desire, and I pray for this really broken situation that you uh, would bring about a resolution very quickly in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Okay, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. Um, Let's see here. Let's go to line number one. Line number one is Liz calling from Denver, Colorado. Liz, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. Hey, Liz, how are you? I'm good. How are you today? I'm good. What's your question? A um, couple of weeks ago, I can't remember if it was last week or the previous week, you were talking about how um, it's a sin that if children keep the grandchildren away from the grandparents. Yes. You mentioned. Um, basically, I, I have that going on with my own daughter. My own daughter is very bitter. She gets very offensive. Um, like, the only time she's happy is, you know, or I guess you could say in a good mood with me, is if she's, if I'm not saying anything to her, like, you know, well, you shouldn't be smoking weed around the kids, you know, or right. something like that. Um, pretty much, if I don't say anything to her, then we're good. But, yeah. you know, as soon as I 
start saying anything, you know, well, you shouldn't be doing that or, you know, that's not right or then I'm just, as she puts it, getting all up in her business. But yet she lives with me. And she has taken away my grandkids before. It's, It's not right. It's, it's very sinful for your daughter to do that. And why was it sinful? Because the Bible establishes the relationship of grandparents and grandchildren. And where there isn't abuse or where there isn't, obviously a, a parent's going to have to make decisions on raising their children uh, in a way that would protect them from the obvious pain, like abuse or something, uh, something yeah. extreme, where that certainly happens. But where that is absent, and a child, on a daughter or a son, withholds the God-given relationship of a grandparent and a grandchild, it is rank, rebellious sin. God established that relationship. God established the relationship between children and grandchildren and actually gives the responsibility, or, or you could even call it a privilege, of a godly grandparent to teach they're commanded in Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're commanded as grandparents to teach our children uh, and our grandchildren the commands of the Lord. The Bible says in Proverbs that grandkids are the crown of the elderly and, and the pride of sons is their fathers. Uh, in Psalm 128, verse 5 and 6, it says, May the Lord continually bless you from Zion, and may you see Jerusalem prosper you as long as you live. And may you live to enjoy your grandchildren. And over and over again, the Bible speaks of this glorious relationship. The Bible says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. And to withhold that relationship is not from the Lord. Now, there are some exceptions, like I said. I mean, if there's abuse or something, but to do that with mean-spiritedness or whatever reason, whatever reason it might be, yeah. It can't be validated, and it can't be justified by the scriptures. It can't be validated yeah, and, and justified by the agape love of God, by the love of God that he describes in the scriptures uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, where he describes, he says, love is patient, love is kind. Yeah. It's not a kind thing to withhold children and grandchildren. Uh, love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Is not ir- I mean, we could go through and build uh, and see yeah. the Bible just re- reflecting the love of God in more than one way. And I'm just very sorry that you're experiencing that because it's of it's super super painful. And I'm sorry. It is, and I mean, I don't know if you remember me, but I'm, I'm sorry. I see your face, but let's pray. Let's pray, Liz. Lord God, I, I pray for Liz, and I pray for her um, very difficult situation right now in her home with her daughter. Um, I do remember her, Lord, and I remember praying with her and encouraging her, and it's just one of those days where she needs more encouragement. It's one of those days when she needs uh, to be built up in you, Lord. And and I pray for her daughter, you know, smoking pot and living a life that's inconsistent with your heart. Bring her back, Lord. Let that love relationship between mother and daughter either be repaired or rekindled or started afresh and anew because of your love breaking through 
And I pray for those listening in. Um, I know a few myself that endure the daily pain of being with being separated from their kids or their grandkids and or even great grandkids. It's hard, Lord. And we submit ourselves to you, the God of all creation, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And Lord, we commend our lives to you and trust that you work all things together for the good for those that love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And what was that verse that you were saying in Psalm? Psalm one twenty eight verses five and six. All right, Hazardous, keep me in your prayers. Okay, Liz. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. God bless you. All right, we're coming up to the end of the show. We're going to take another call here from Baltimore. Jeff is calling from Baltimore, Maryland on line two. Hey, Jeff, we just got a few minutes. How can I serve you, brother? I was um, wondering, I'm just going to ask the question and uh, get off the phone, but I was wondering what the church's view on birth control was. Okay, um, if you're asking what the Bible has to say about birth control, uh, the Bible yeah, places right. birth control as a personal conviction, conscience choice between the person um, that is within a marriage and uh, the husband and wife making the decision on what they believe to be the limitation of children in their family. And I don't believe the Bible restricts it. Uh, and I believe he, God has placed that personal decision uh, in the couple in the marriage. So and that's what I believe the Bible teaches. Okay, could you back that up with a verse or something? Sure. You know, when you think of the Bible presenting kids as a gift from God, um, you also see that God has allowed some women to be barren, uh, and you've got both. You've got both sides of that. Um, conception is... Um, conception is the will of God, uh, he's, he allows it, and when you, when you come into a relationship with the Lord, um, there's no, I would say that the way that I substantiate this from the scriptures is there's no way, there's no scripture that forbids uh, contraception, and there's scriptures that include, that encourage uh, the decision of of having a child before the Lord, because there's also no, there's also no scripture, you know, with the exception perhaps of Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. There's no command of the scriptures to have children. So you, you, you see the benefits of children. Um, and you see the, you see the opportunity of, of a broken body, not being having to have kids. So you have both, you know, the, since the Bible doesn't have a specific scripture commanding children, and doesn't have a specific scripture um, not commanding to have children like contraception, I fall in that becomes a I fall in that category that the Bible teaches that that's a decision that's made between a married couple. So you don't think you're circumventing God's will when you uh, take birth control and can't have a child? You know, I can't hear you. You're like fading out really bad. I'll talk a little louder. You don't think you're circumventing God's will when you um, take birth control and, and um, can't have a child, even though God's will... I, d- I don't. I don't think it's circumventing God's will at all. I don't think I can circumvent God's will. He will overrule me. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. 
Well, that comes to the end of the program. A great question to end on. Uh, it is one of those questions that really uh, brings about because of uh, the Roman Catholic Church and many other religions speaking, you know, religious systems having such an emphasis on this topic. Uh, when you look at the scriptures, um, you don't really see a mandate and you don't really see a prohibition. Uh, God is the author of life. Uh, even using contraception, if a person chooses, there's conception still happens where God can overrule even those decisions. And it's a, it's a real personal decision that a person needs to, to really pray and seek the Lord in, in the marriage, in the marriage. Wow, so thankful for the opportunity to be a part of your life today. Grateful that you've chosen to call in to be a part of the show. We're asking you to, to really pray that the Lord would use you this week. Uh, coming up this weekend, your church is going to have services, so invite someone. Um, our church this month is celebrating our missions, both locally, uh, around the country, and around the world. Uh, we're hoping to inspire men and women to take short-term mission trips, uh, to support missionaries on the field. Our next short-term trip, uh, that we've got a team heading off to Brazil uh, to encourage the Fox family. We've got trips to Philippines this year. We've got trips to Israel to do humanitarian work. We've got missionaries in Thailand, all around the world, New Zealand. Um, so pray for us as we pray for you in these last days that God would use us and that you would be encouraged, even through difficulty, be encouraged in the love of Jesus Christ for your life. Thanks again for allowing me to be a part of your life. This is Ed Taylor, Calvary Chapel Aurora, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Calvary Live. Be sure to tell a friend about Grace FM.